Hello everyone, you are listening to the Techloop Podcast. Today with us we have you, Gitika Batra. Gitika has been involved with OpenStack for more than 5 years as a reviewer and a contributor. She has been a software developer at Red Hat and is currently a CI/CD developer and a site reliability engineer at Oilicon. She is an organizer at Lone IT Goal, an organization which helps women get started with programming with the help of mentors by building real-time applications. You are a pretty po- prominent figure in a lot of tech companies, right? Like you have worked at a lot of tech companies, Red Hat, uh, your maintainer at OpenStack. Uh, could you tell us how your dev journey started? How did you get start developing? Uh, so, uh, you know, I started my open source uh, journey. Also, I started my journey with open source uh, when I was like in college. Okay, it was my like final year of college. So my main motive was basically to, you know, learn a lot of stuff. I mean, get to know of what could be useful for my future. I mean, in career, what do I wanted to know? So uh, at first it was mostly regarding learning. So I just wanted to learn a lot of stuff. So cloud, uh, this, you know, cloud was a very big hype cloud tech was a very big hype back then uh, and i think i'm talking about 2015 when i graduated so uh, what happened was there were a lot of stuff going around about so i i actually researched a lot and tried to understand what exactly it is and how basically it works okay so when i started learning about stuff it led me to another something else and then i started digging deeper and deeper and eventually which led me to contribute to make some contributions in OpenStack. So uh, when I was like, there was a lot of this was, you know, right, like you have your community here in my college. Also, there was a very good community there. People used to talk about everything, like from any, any tech, any opportunities available at that time. So I got to know about Google Summer of Code and Outreachy. Actually, I only knew about Google Summer of Code. Uh, I actually found out about Outreachy after researching a lot. I mean, I was trying to learn what exactly it is. Then I found out that there is a program called as Outreachy also. So um, what happened was initially, uh, I, I my main agenda was to learn as much as possible. And since it was, I am not from a computer science background, I'm from an electronics and communication background. So I did my BTEC in electronics and communication. But eventually I realized that, uh, uh, so, you know, what happens in is in electronics and communication, there is more of a, re, it's more of a materialist resource kind of thing. I mean, you need a lot of resource to learn. So, and eventually it was coming, uh, it was eventually mapping to the programming. So you need programming also to run a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, whatever object you make, like for example, wall follower or a line follower, you need programming basics to make it work, right? It's not something, uh, it, ha- it is a, it is a like, you know, symbiotic process with hardware, you need a software. All right. So as a result of that, I started learning about, uh, pro- I started learning programming and then I, since, you know, I wanted a job. <laughs> basically at the end of the end of four year, you need a job, right? So I wanted to be at par of my skills. I wanted to improvise my skills always. So I found out about these programs called as Google Summer of Code and Outreachy, but I was not very confident initially, but I took my first step. So uh, in final year, when I started learning a lot about how what cloud is and what OpenStack is, I 
saw a lot of videos on YouTube what it is, and then eventually, which le- it led to, let me to GitHub where the actual project is like running, right? You know, and I start and joined a lot of channels on IRC where everybody was like talking about uh, contributing to OpenStack. Everybody was contributing to OpenStack, uh, and OpenStack back then was a part of uh, Google Summer of Code also. I mean, they were. Uh, they were uh, they acted as an organization under google summer of code uh, so i thought when since i have start i have started learning about it i thought i mean why not openstack i should start contributing to openstack so i gave all of my effort and then then finally got accepted into outreachy with openstack so i actually missed google summer of code because uh, unfortunately that that was the first year when they uh, removed openstack from their organization so, so but outreachy was a, another chance i had so i got into outreachy with openstack so since then i would say i have never looked back <laughs> you know you know every, one thing led to the another and it's it's a compounding learning was always a compound effect uh, mm-hmm. and i started learning oh, docker and then kubernetes and then eventually my the my work actually was a part um, on daily basis i had to deal with docker kubernetes so that's how my journey has become now i mean that's that's that <laughs> i mean yeah. so yeah cool oh so like since you mentioned electronics and communications right i kind of uh, like uh, understand your situation because i am an electronics and communications student as well <laughs> and i don't like electronics as well i am a software developer <laughs> yes so i kind of understand <laughs> you know totally... how how difficult it is you know i actually tried a lot i mean for two years or so i have like i think i have messed up more than 10 projects like trying to solder it off and then make it work half the time they did not work half the time i mean i used to spend a lot i did not have bandwidth to like you know uh, uh, i mean buy stuff then i thought i should first focus on programming because the final year had already come and i i, I wanted to do something i had to show off one at least any of my skills right so i started learning out of curiosity only that was the only reason i started programming mm-hmm. so so you have been an engineer at red hat where you handle a lot of you know infra infrastructure involving docker and kubernetes and stuff like that right could you shed some more light on that like what was the day to day operations at red hat Uh, yeah so well at red hat the development happens in such a way i mean you know that you're responsible for all your work like one work item like whatever task you are given you have to you know from the basic from the very beginning to the end you are responsible for it so i mean this involves writing your code then you do the testing of it and then dockerize it and deploy it on kubernetes so you know it's a standard protocol for each and every work i mean if you are uh, uh, solving 10 issues a day for example hypothetically then from the very beginning you have to code you have to test it yourself dockerize it and then uh, see how it behaves in the system so before putting it, it into production so you know this was a daily task for me so uh, what happens is so i had to work it on daily basis since i had to work it work on it on daily basis i it had become a very handy thing to me so so uh, i when i'm resp- when you know when you are responsible to make it work you do just don't have when you just don't dump your code to someone else to deploy i think that gives a lot of insights and confidence uh, of practically implementing your knowledge so th- this was the basic work which i used to do there mm-hmm. so 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 now so there you mentioned that 
in at red hat everyone like builds tests and deploys their own code right yes yes but uh, like is that similar to all other companies because like uh, some companies do they have a they have a team which actually builds the stuff and one team which actually handles the deployment right the, the devops side of it i think most product based companies they, they they would give you a platform where you can do it yourself because you know uh, with kubernetes and uh, uh, we had our own like testing kubernetes cluster where we could deploy our applications and i think mostly product based companies what i've heard from people this is a standard protocol they follow so that's a standard thing i think okay. so that, that's what what i know of so far mm-hmm. yeah so you have been a contributed to openstack obviously and you've also been a core reviewer right uh, yeah. like could you tell us more about openstack and its like use cases like where is it particularly used also uh, you know i am not really an active member now so i wouldn't say about my current what exactly is going on with openstack current in the current scenario i actually left it uh, a little while back because you know my work priorities were a little different so mm-hmm. well when it is you know i for very beginners for a newbie for example if you're not aware of what openstack is i would say it's an infrastructure as a service so if you are aware of these days aws and google cloud it's it's something similar <clears throat> so basically you what you do is like it's it's a cloud where it started as a free software where you know everyone can like run their own cloud basically mm-hmm. but uh, it it start i mean then what happened was this is this is this is a case of a private cloud but you know what companies there are a lot of companies which are like beginners which are very small sized or medium sized companies they can't really afford to maintain and handle this kind of infrastructure always so openstack is something what i know of so far is big companies like banks you know i do know that jp morgan uses their own private uh, openstack cloud so because you know they have enough money and enough uh, infrastructure and enough uh, you know workforce to handle the entire cloud systems but uh, uh, for small and medium sized companies mostly they are uh, relying on public cloud for like aws and uh, uh, google cloud until and unless it's like very the data they are trying to protect is very they, i mean some very secure data like financial data financial small startups might not be using that that's what my, that's my uh, perception of uh, the entire cloud uh, tech that's what the thing is so openstack what happened was basically you know since small companies and medium sized companies they only want to focus on running their services and applications right they don't want to focus on the infrastructure so uh, companies what they uh, openstack started become an overhead task for them so you know many companies like red hat also offer their offers their public uh, openstack cloud but the expense of the aws and openstack came out to be the same you know so there's no point of free software right i mean mm-hmm. the open source the entire point of free software was that you could minimize maybe you could minimize the expense and you could have like community there to build it and like use it right but uh, there was no such thing that was like happening there so it got obsolete very quickly <laughs> so uh, if you i would say if like i mean for uh, like people like in college who are who may be thinking they should learn openstack they should i would say they should uh, because what it gives is it it gives you it will give you a lot of insights how things are working from beneath like you know you would know how virtual machines are 
spawned and then how they are connecting to each other this that it will give you a lot of insights into how things work actually but it is a very complex project it is a very complex project believe me so uh, if only banks and all like when it, i what i think is i what i know is they can afford and maintain it but otherwise uh, i don't think open stack has a lot of use case now mm -hmm. So, so basically, now that you know, like there's so many big players, cloud providers, right? AWS, Azure, uh, GCP, like OpenStack has kind of become obsolete uh, for major for 90% yeah. of the use cases. Mostly, because what happened was, as far as I remember, uh, uh, the because it and you know the project was a little unstable. It wasn't very stable, uh, so it had a lot of overhead. Effort it required a lot of overhead effort. So then now these days the AWS and Google or uh, Google Cloud Platform they are also providing private clouds. I mean they provide their support for the uh, private clouds. So the entire they you can use their I think uh, tech tech and then run a cloud and they'll provide you support. So anyway it was like they found it better than OpenStack. So mm -hmm. that was the case. Yeah. So. Uh, so like coming to CI/CD, right? CI/CD is a big, big uh, component when it comes to DevOps and and that kind of technology, right? So like, do you think every developer should learn CI/CD? <laughs> when I saw this question, I was actually confused how to answer this because CI/CD is not a technology. I mean, it's not like a software mm -hmm. component. It's it's like yes, of course, building it is a component, but uh, when when I see myself, how did I learn it specifically for one thing? I don't think so. It was actually needed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it comes when you work. It, it It is a necessary thing. You And learning it is not a right statement because, I mean, you cannot learn it and then leave it. Mm -hmm. You have to, that comes in an everyday practice. So, you know, for Docker and Kubernetes, maybe sometimes it could be a, a case when you are not really working uh, on these. Uh, uh, maybe your company is not like making you work on Docker and Kubernetes. They don't want you to Dockerize it and then uh, push it on production on Kubernetes. And there is a chance that you don't work on it on daily basis. So you won't say that. The, you won't say that. Uh, should I learn it or not? It's it's totally your call, right? I mean. If, if even if you're a front-end engineer, I don't, it's it's your call if you want to learn Docker or Kubernetes. It's not a part of it. CI/CD is something which is very much integrated. So what I thought, maybe I think, don't learn CI/CD, learn Linux basics because CI/CD is on top of Linux basics. You know, uh, if you if you are good with Linux and operating system basics, then CI/CD would be a very, you know, cake, it would be a cakewalk for you. So basically, what what we wanted to ask was like a junior one developer. Second. Let's let yeah, sure. yeah sure 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 sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, what we wanted to ask was uh, like every junior developer, and by junior developer I mean a college. Let's say let's say college student who is just learning front end, mm -hmm. right? And let's mm -hmm. say they they build their first fraud project. You know they push they push like you know push it to Heroku or something. Uh, Heroku or Vercel. Uh, hmm. sh should they take out that time to understand what is CI/CD, or should they just le keep learning more technologies and just you know learn CI/CD when it when it's actually required in in the, when they move on to a company and, and then obviously it's required you know when you're when you're a company you need CI/CD. 
so so see what exactly i i'm not really sure how to exactly answer this because cicd is not that's what i said cicd is nothing to learn there it's like basically it's a step of series of it's a series of steps that's all mm -hmm. you know continuous integration continuous deployment you just need to know what exactly that is i mean you mm -hmm. need to when you work and then you see that there are some stages like the pipeline is running that cicd it's called as a cicd pipeline where there are like a number of steps that are following then one step is like a, a, a like a next i mean it's a, it's a successor of next steps it's something like this that happens like you know your output of one step is could be the output of like could be the input of the next step so that this is a it's a pipeline called of same kind of thing so i don't know exactly how what what you are because you know with ci cd to completely understand it you have to actually work in a production environment that's mm -hmm. that's i think that that's my understanding of it because even if you think that i should uh, i'm deploying my app on heroku maybe you could try it very the basics of it you could try it i mean you should know how how it understands it i don't think it's a very i mean yes it is a necessary thing it's it's used everywhere now but i don't think there is a specific any specific thing to learn there i mean if you are good with like if you have done manual deployment also then you would know what cicd is doing because it's just automation of what you are doing mm -hmm. manually that's all so uh, what do you think is the best way to get involved uh, with open source uh, development that's my favorite question everybody asks me <laughs> i have been answering that for around like 5 years now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know the only way to get into open source is pick a project learn what tech it's using just go through like learn the basics of its uh, basics of basics of what tech you know, like for example what language it is using at least like for example if there is a project always kubernetes and there are a lot of projects in kubernetes it's written in go just learn the basics of go and then go to the community pick up good first issues and then like you know go to the channel where like the community is like talking just pitch the ask for help maybe just but read documentation first please read documentation first just don't go and like ask anything out of because you know there are a lot of uh, mostly documentations cover a lot of your answers it's mostly what happens what the problem that comes is when you are a beginner you don't really understand those terms you know mm -hmm. reading a documentation is a bit of a hassle because you don't really know the terms and you get confused in what exactly is to be done when you are confused and you don't find an answer even after you know googling it then go and ask please mm -hmm. but do ask ask more questions ask repeated questions try to you know try to set up the basics try to set up the project make it try to make it work in your system if you fail ask why you were getting such and such error what could be the issue do this and i think consistently if you do it for like one and half month or two you'll you know how exactly things work you will be able to contribute properly mm -hmm. so like when you mentioned documentation right so a lot of people like are afraid of documentation because you know Uh, it's so big it's so massive and like you know the, this builds a tree of uh, different different terminologies huh. that you're not aware of how do you think a, a, a newbie can you know uh, tackle that problem 
you know uh, this is this is a problem i think uh, um, with our <laughs> what i have observed in myself or maybe others uh, in our education system since because we you know we are asked to mug up everything last minute you start uh, you study from the last minute questionnaire <laughs> to uh, clear out your exams we are not in a habit of reading <laughs> but i think that's the that's the most important thing you know we are scared but you know you need to do that that's a necessary thing you know what happens is it it brings confidence in you when you read your documentation and then ask your question it will it will bring you confidence in you otherwise if you're like asking like impromptu why impromptly anything then it would and even in, in case it is a like you know very absurd question then it will decrease your confidence you know that i think you are able to understand what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. here if you abruptly ask anything without knowledge you'll uh, and somebody from the other side you know in case they tell you that you have to google it i think that would decrease your confidence that will reduce your confidence and then you won't be able to uh, make an effort next time and you won't be able to take the next step so i think reading documentation is very necessary at least start with it i mean you know read start reading 30% of it and when you are like good enough with the terms what exactly they are doing and then you ask questions on the basis of that it will bring you a lot of confidence I, and documentation is a very necessary thing to do yeah so could you tell us more about like your role at learn it and like you know you're an, you're, you're an organizer there right like what what, what do you do exactly yes. and what organizer it is exactly so, so what happened was um, when i was in my final year of college you know i wanted to i badly wanted to get into google summer of course <laughs> frankly speaking so i was uh, i started contributing i think at least 6 months before this program i wanted to get into what exactly because you know right now what i see there is a lot of help there uh, around you i mean you have a lot of people you can contact you can help you get into google summer of course back then there was no one believe me i did not find a single person, person there so and and i was a very new to programming so i i thought that i need really need a mentor because there are a lot of things you don't understand yourself somebody if somebody is there to tell you or make you understand it properly then what it things become easier right so i wanted a mentor so this learn it girl was a very new program back then uh it was in its first year it was started by someone uh, from the university of poland i think so there were a lot of so what they did was they wanted they matched a lot of girls with mentors so they searched around like they asked for they had a good community so they uh, asked for mentorship so many people came up Uh, like raise their hands that they would be willing to mentor and the project had to be yours so and i was in a badly need of a mentor back then i had no guidance at all so i thought maybe this is a very good thing to start with at least what i would learn something you know at least i would make a, th- that would be a one step towards my goal what i wanted to do basically so uh they matched me with a mentor so i wrote in you know uh, your the project had to be yours so it's not like open source the code went open source i mean i posted the entire code on github so you can technically call it open source but uh, uh it was not basic it was not some big open source project where i contributed it was my own project i wanted to uh they asked what kind of project what did i want to do like what was 
what should be my project so i uh, wrote uh, wrote some information about like uh, i had a project in mind i wanted to write some employee software in dotnet c sharp so they matched me with a mentor uh, who knew dotnet who was actually working uh, somewhere in dotnet c sharp so and she helped me a lot there so uh, and uh, you know there were a lot of problems that come up because and at that time my system was also very like it did not have a very high configuration i was like running open stack on 2 gb i still remember <laughs> so uh, so what happened was uh, with that uh, project she helped me a lot and then i was like eventually after 3 months i was able to complete it and this was the first program and since it did not pay you anything i mean it did not paid me anything but uh, what uh, happened was it increased my confidence a lot so that was the reason i i was actually very confident in uh, making a move in open open stack with google summer of course so i wanted to uh, i mean this was very good and I, i think 250 projects were selected but only 35 were able to complete and i was one of those 35 and i was very proud of it back then so after that what i ha- what happened was uh, i wanted to give when i was done with all of this work i thought i think it's right time to give back to the community so i started uh, reviewing the reviewing the new applications now in, now this uh, program happens every year so i started reviewing the applications and then uh, selecting the people uh, who would be the good people and how would uh, matching mentors with it and then evaluation also i mean i started looking on the evaluation stuff so this was the work which uh, i had to do as an organizer organizer there and also we have a a, a website which is you know running learn article website so working on it maintaining it was also some like fixing certain bugs in it was also a task i i actually fixed a few bugs there uh, one or two i think not many but yes <laughs> i did something so that was the uh, i mean that's what happened with learn it go mm-hmm. so like while we on the topic of learn it go what do you think is the best way to encourage women uh, to take up more uh, roles in stem i think uh, it's the help so you know if you if somebody helped you help some other, somebody else like it's a i don't know what's it's a graphical relationship you know you you can help two people the two people then the other two girls can help two other girls basically you know what i have seen so far i have i have helped many people get into open source and get uh, like uh, get accepted to you know when because i had a lot of juniors who wanted help and then i helped them uh, start get themselves starting start at open source at least you know at least ask a question in the beginning that was something so i think most of the girls what happens with them is they're lacking confidence basically i think that's something uh, this is very much required i think everybody you know if you have if you say if you tell someone they don't worry i'll back you i can help, always help you if you are stuck in this work then i think that's the only way to bring more girls into stem the basic pro- problem which is coming is the lack of confidence that's all Mm-hmm. so like what do you think as a society or you know in the in the tech society uh, we can do you know to to encourage women to you know basically encourage women in tech i think you set yourself as an example 
that's mm-hmm. the best thing you know you set yourself an example and then when two other girls ask you you be ready for help don't be uh, you know don't be very hard on every, you know there is a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, jealous factor also <laughs> among people don't be selfless i think be selfless about it just set an example and be selfless about it mm-hmm. so coming back to the technical side of things a bit so cloud native tech predominantly uses golang a lot right hmm. uh, like a lot of cloud native technologies like kubernetes and you know uh, prometheus linkrd all of them are written in golang hmm. uh, like why, why do you think golang is such a nice language to write cloud native technologies uh it's 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 you know it's actually written so what google says is it's actually written to write distributed systems they have certain uh certain things that were lacking in other native languages like c++ and all so they they had a lot of new things like for example interfaces and there are i think they 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 actually wrote it specifically so that they could uh, they could make uh, writing distributed systems easier that's why golang is used but the if the question is should you learn golang that's a very different concept altogether i think as a beginner you should not really focus on any language focus on basics focus totally on basics i think linux uh, learning linux properly i mean you know you can always go for certain exams like on linux foundation you might have you might know about the exams they mm-hmm. uh, host like red hat ex- red hat also hosts a lot of exams rhca and all try to learn that and then try to perform in the exam that will give you confidence right don't go for languages i would like simply th- that's my opinion so far because you know when i started i started with java then i moved to dotnet while learn it girl and then i learned uh, then i uh, worked in python in openstack as well as in the startup Uh, the in my first year i worked in uh, python and even at red hat i initially i worked on python and then uh, and then on golang now i am a uh, dev I, i have more of a devops role so it's like my own interest whatever language i want to use so that's the thing so see in the last 5 year graph you can see i have changed a lot of tech right so it's it, one single language is not going to stay constant change is a constant yeah. okay mm-hmm. so you learn the basics of it because every language the basics of every language is the same either you learn python or golang the basics and logical logics are same right so once you are have good grasp on the basics it won't be difficult for you to jump from one language to another yeah so the the, the main thing about devops is that you know you play around with a lot of distributed systems and you know production level infrastructure right so like but the thing is that when you are a co- when you are a college student right or you're just an amateur developer you don't really have any production infrastructure to play with how do you think an aspiring devops engineer can actually you know overcome that problem uh i the easiest way i would say is join a course on udemy they have really good courses i would really say even uh, even now when i have to learn something i quick i my main focus is to complete a course on udemy so for example recently i appeared for the kubernetes uh, certification exam the uh, mm-hmm. you know it's called a certified kubernetes administrator i had no production system 
uh, at my company so where i actually set up i have actually myself set up a kubernetes system there so uh, i had no knowledge of how to do things so initially that the course on udemy they provided a very good uh, interactive environment where you could run uh, run and perform commands right so it was for a beginner at least when you don't have resources try try a course which has an interactive command line uh, tutorial that would be the best thing to start with mm-hmm. uh i think we have covered almost all questions so like so we just have like a couple of more fun kind of questions like non technical like just like you know uh, kind of data questions uh mm-hmm. fine so So, so basically the thing is this we called the segment just like a sketchy banter and what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask you five questions and you have to answer them instantaneously at the top of your head okay <laughs> okay cool so okay i think i already know the answer to this one but json or yaml json or yaml yaml obviously uh, how nervous are you when like you know jenkins or travis are running like tests while building your uh, while building your project Like, like, do you fear? Do you fear like a non-zero status code comes? Oh no, uh, that was like I uh, that ship sailed long ago. <laughs> Seriously, I in the very uh, first two years, I was like really scared to run uh, run a service and then run into problems. And I used to it used to break my heart if something used to break. <laughs> But now I'm very used to it. It is gonna fail. I know. After second attempt, I'm gonna I'm gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> uh if there is one linux distro you could destroy what would it that be destroy yeah, why do you want like, to destroy remove it from the existence of this world one linux distro i don't think so i don't want to do any i mean why do you want to destroy all are good i mean it's it totally depends upon which one is like handy with yourself i am like I like Linux. Like I mean, I like Ubuntu, like much more than others because it's very easy. I had I started with Ubuntu. That's why, uh, that's why it's my favorite. But I think I then I have worked on Fedora also. It was also good. Now on OS X, so I don't know. Yeah. So so what did you prefer, Linux or Mac OS? Linux. <laughs> <laughs> I badly miss it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, If your boss told you to push something into production on a Friday, and the weekend is off, obviously, what would your reaction be? I would do it. I have worked on weekends. I mean, I see. You know, this is a very vague concept about like work-life balance, and this comes a lot. But when you are like you know passionate about something, you would you won't know what day it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel? Like you know, what what are your feelings towards people? Who opens spam PRs? You know, just PRs for the sake of it, like to get a hack to open a T-shirt or something like that. Oh, like this, the thing, this fiasco that happened recently. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I was like very disappointed that this came up now because this has been happening for like a long <laughs> while now, like yeah. last two three years. I used to think initially, why do people have to just yes, and you know, they were like people who were uh, only. they were creating their own repositories and just pushing a data structure and some some data structure and algorithm question just to get a t-shirt i don't know
Thanks a lot for listening folks. See you all in the next one. Until then, stay in the loop.